You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is up, Packer fans? Welcome into an all-new episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman, along with Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Company. Another delicious co-branded episode of the podcast. Justice, great to have you back here on the show. First of all, Packers, of course, when we are recording this at the very tail end of a Victory Monday how the heck have you been and, and how are vibes uh, in your neck of the woods? Oh, so good. I, I'm finding old tweets about Jordan Love. That's fun from, from the summer. Um, get to watch Bears fans freak out. Vikings fans freak out. So Lions good. fans be like, oh, is the NFC Championship game going to be in Detroit and Green Bay going to be there? Um, yeah, it's all fun. When Times Jordan Love are- plays like this, I mean can you do what can you do uh, from a Packers standpoint you can celebrate quite a bit uh speaking of celebration I'm going to hijack the show for just a second this as we are recording this justice is officially our 2000th episode on the pack a day podcast so this is the 2000th episode now technically we've had more than 2000 episodes since we've started going to a day so it's more of a celebration of the 2000th consecutive day with never missing an episode, but still just wanted to take a really quick moment to thank everyone on the Pack-A-Day podcast team, all our amazing guests, all of our listeners, everyone for making it what it is today, 2000 episodes in. So just wanted to hijack it really quick and thank everyone for that because it means a ton to me and uh, this team that I've been able to be a part of for uh, 2000 days now has uh, been a lot to me. So appreciate you giving me the moment to do that and uh, I I will stop hijacking now. I mean, that's incredible. 2000 days. I don't know if I've done anything 2000 days, like <laughs> like drink water, but I'm sure there's like one day I must have forgotten. And what? That's almost seven years, right? Like, crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're getting I think seven years will be in July. Um, but yeah, it's it's been an incredible journey. Uh, really quick aside. Uh, I never wanted to do a podcast. And I'm like, well, if I come up with a good idea, maybe I'll just go ahead and do it. And I thought of something like the daily for the, like the New York times. And there was this really stupid, uh, commercial that's like, so-and-so smacked smokes 10 packs of cigarettes a day. I'm like packs a day, pack a day. Like, all right, that kind of cool. Like we could do a daily packers up. And then I tweeted out who wants to be a part of this. Got like 200 messages and the rest was history, but enough about the history of the pack a day podcast. Let's talk some actual green Bay Packers football, which I know is what everyone's here for. Uh, let's start with Packers Cowboys, of course. Green Bay gets this incredible game, 27-0 start. A little bit of nervous, anxious moments at the end, but nothing that really got the the blood pressure going too high. What were just your key takeaways from this one? Oh, um, This game kind of played out the way I thought it would, honestly. Um, I know on the front end when it's, you know, 27-0, like it probably doesn't look like, you know, the game is any close, but um, I think if you study what was actually happening, it was, it was half decent. I don't know what was happening with CD Lamb. Um, I don't know. If weird the, vibe. I don't know. Well, like the the first half of the game, it was really really weird. I don't I don't know if the like the pressure got to him, or it was, like maybe it was a whole week of like CD's gonna have to beat the Packers. Big game for CD, like all that stuff. You know what I mean? Going into the playoffs yeah. and that mess with him or something. But um, you know the other things, right? Like. Dallas getting into spread formations and that messing with the Packers defense. That was basically the entire second half. And you saw them put up, was it 25 points or whatever it was? Um, You look at the offensive side of the ball. I thought the Packers were going to have to run it a lot, right? Green Bay was totally content with even when it was, you know, just three yard pickups, just running the hell out of the ball um, for the sake of running the heck out of the ball. And I think, you know, um, you, you might've talked about this on, on, Twitter already today, but the splits between the amount of offensive plays that each team had was incredible. And one of the, one of the reasons for that was, you know, Green Bay was okay running the football and ticking down the clock, right? Um, that game actually kind of 
you know, until the fourth quarter when Dallas was trying to come back. That game was flying. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like that, that game real time was going really fast. Um, and then Jordan Love just totally blacking out. I think they had a really good game plan um, for this game. I don't know if you guys saw the uh, Next Gen Stats tweet. Uh, Next Gen Stats said, you know, Green Bay was under center more than 60% of the time. Uh, it was, the, yeah, it was uh, the highest under center percentage of any team in any game this year. I'm not surprised by that. Green Bay wanted to give the threat of the run game every single play, especially with the fact that Dallas is, you know, playing guys who are 205 pounds at the inside linebacker position and are functionally in dime personnel, right? Um, Green Bay had gotten uh, 13 attempts to run against dime in the regular season. They hit that in the first half against the Dallas Cowboys. What Dallas was doing defensively was basically, and this shouldn't be a surprise, right? Because we saw this the first time, um, you know, Quinn and I I guess last year's this this young wide receiver core uh, faced head-to-head. And the whole conversation, right, at that point in the season in 2022 was, can the Packers beat man? Can the Packers beat man? Can the Packers beat man? And they go against this Cowboys team that just sits in cover one, and they figured out, oh, Christian Watson, right? Yeah. Um, that, that was the first time around, and they had a big game against against uh, Quinn's defense. This time it was kind of the same thing, right? Um, that tight end leak play for Musgrave, yeah. that's against cover one, right? And, you know, the, the guy who's supposed to cover him just ends up trying to pressure the ball and he's butt naked wide open, right? Um, the Packers did a lot of stuff against cover one that should frankly probably embarrass Quinn um, from, from a coverage standpoint. And then the run game, they were just like, let's get a guard on the guy who's 205 pounds. So I, I was really excited about that game. I don't know how much of it's going to translate to the Niners game, to be totally right. honest. That defense is very different than than what Dallas presents. Dallas is uh, Dallas was all pressure and interceptions, basically, right? And and they really didn't have they were kind of boom bust, you know what I mean? And if you could yep. kind of be the steady Eddie, you could take advantage of them. Um, and that's why I thought, you know, if Green Bay's gonna have to win it's gonna have to be a shootout. I did not foresee the Packers breaking the franchise record and scoring in the playoffs. I did not see um, Dallas almost getting shut out for the entire first half because you know CD was a head case. Um, Dak was throwing picks, um, but yeah, that those are kind of my general takeaways from the game. You, you started this with the you know Dallas's offense being able to get in spread formations, especially mm-hmm. in the second half. We saw it early. We saw CD Lamb against Quay Walker um, on that first what third down play for Dallas and you know, Dak hits him over the middle and CD can't hang on to it. It's a, it's a little bit of a, I don't know if they just weren't on the same page of where they wanted that throw to go and the road to go, but that's like one of those that would have been a classic, like, Oh, Quay Walker's covering CD lamb and CD lamb goes for 20 yards on the play on a third and whatever it was. Um, but green Bay got a drop and there was a piece of this in the first half, especially where I thought green Bay's defense did some good things and you can't take away the job pick. You can't take away the Darnell pick six. Like there was some really good stuff, but uh, Dallas definitely had some shoot themselves in the foot moments too. And then, you know, green Bay just goes down. They grind out that first drive. They get the touchdown. I I thought that was maybe the most impressive part of the game because that first they had the big play to Dobbs over the middle in the middle of that drive. But outside of that, it was just kind of like a grinded out, like you said, two, three yard carries here and there, sometimes zero yard carries, it wasn't the yeah, most. Daniel Wilson had a couple of those. Yes, yes, he did. He had an interesting game. But um, you had a, you know, you just had to grind out that drive. But they find a way to get seven and put it on the board. And then again, Dallas goes the you know, has the miss to to CD Lamb. Green Bay goes down, and eventually after a couple you know drives here there, they get the the touchdown again. The pick like it just it, it changed the game immediately by being able to go down and score that touchdown. But Dallas had some shoot themselves in the foot moments. Green Bay grinded it out, and all of a sudden it was 27-0 before you could blank, and the game was totally different. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, the other thing I wanted to mention that I didn't touch on the front end, um, Zach Tom, just an incredible game, right? Like I I think tackles played pretty well. I think it was like the third play into it. uh, Rasheed Walker got blown up. Um, I think it was Tank who ended up making a a play in the backfield. Um, Yeah. On, I think it was run game, um, yep. but but outside of that, the tackles 
played pretty well. I know uh, Michael Parsons and NGS next gen stats had him down for uh, one pressure in the game, which was like uh, it was like a five percent pressure rate, which was the lowest pressure rate he's had in his NFL career in any individual game. Um, and that one pressure was unblocked pressure. So Zach Tom, you know, was was perfect against him. And that was something, you know, we worried about because of the finger and stuff like that. He ended up practicing all week. You know, apparently there's nothing to worry about with Zach Tom because he just, you know, held out against one of, one of the best in the game. Um, that was a game that I don't know, like if Dallas wants it back. Like if, if, if they had an opportunity to replay that game today, right, with a fully healthy team or whatever. Um, I, I, I think they probably consider playing Mike at linebacker honestly and just being like look they do too good of a job at protecting the edges they had too good of a game plan for that um and if you look at how our personnel was structured right like the inside linebacker was obviously a problem right they're just yeah. way too small there to be able to put together uh you know a three four game run to be able to make it to the super bowl um i think that was their fatal flaw right i mean you heard me last week where i was like hey Dallas is a seven-point favorite and all that stuff. Everyone expects them to win. I expected them to win. But, like, the one way that you can get them is, like, if you want to just, like, run the ball and and just sit on the clock, you can do that against that team. And that, you know, bear fruit. Yeah, it really did. Let, let's talk about that the Micah Parsons game plan and sort of Matt LaFleur's. You, you touched on a lot of it at the forefront. But one of the things I loved about this game plan, first of all, they were super balanced. You know, Jordan has, what, 21 pass attempts in the entire game. Uh, Aaron goes over 100 yards rushing again. So that's that's number one is that you never really got to – I mean, when you only pass the ball 21 times and still find a way to put up 48 points, part, partially due to your defense too. But – um that that's going to be a huge recipe for success against a team that wants to pin their ears back to getting the big lead, of course, is going to make it so that you are able to stay balanced. But then I thought that green Bay, uh, you know, they had the the plans on the outside every once in a while, they would, they would chip, they'd keep a guy in. Um, and then also there were a lot of times where there's one play where Micah came pretty clean and then uh, he just got the ball out of his hands to Musgrave right away. There's another one where Micah just beats Sean Ryan and Aaron Jones is there to pick him up and does a great job. Jones had a couple great blitz pickups in this game, but whether it was tight end, whether it was the running back chipping, whether it was Jordan getting the ball out of his hands, whether it was times that they were mass protecting, max protecting so that they could get the ball down the field. Um, and then again, staying balanced. It just felt like they were doing everything in their power to make it so that there was nothing that Dallas could tee off on or know what was coming next. And it just seemed like a super frustrating day for Micah and the entire defense. And all of a sudden, like you said, when this Dallas defense that's built to get pressure and like jump routes, can't do either of those things. They looked very pedestrian, very fast. Yeah. And the fact that they stuck with that game plan, I mean, obviously you're not going to throw it all out after one drive, but that, that first drive tank Lawrence was, making some plays and he was i'm sure there was some doubt that started creeping in where you're like oh man do we got to start chipping both of them do we got to start moving the chips to his way like that that looked like a if you watch that first drive again um that team is driving down the field because of penalties right and they're making up you know negative plays that lawrence is is able to make because of penalties right so I'm sure there was some concern there of being like, uh, maybe we prepared too much for Parsons and not enough for Lawrence. And then, you know, after that first drive, it really kind of settled down. Just easy after that. Yeah. Even those first three plays specifically, right. Cause you get, I think it was like a, a tackle for, for no yards on a, a run play. And then you get the sack of love that gets negated due to a defensive penalty. And then the one that you mentioned earlier, where Jones just runs right into the back of Rasheed Walker because Lawrence yeah. is just, you know, bench pressing him into the backfield. Yeah. Th those first few plays are a little nerve wracking of like, okay, Dallas is fired up. They're playing fast. They're getting into the backfield. How is this going to go? And then again, they settle down and credit Matt again for, for sticking with the game plan because that first drive was a grind. And then after that, everything settled in the job pick was huge in getting them great field position. And then you get some explosive plays, you get the Darnell pick six, like we said earlier, it's just a, a totally different game after that. But let's talk about number 10. Jordan Love guy seems pretty decent and uh, playing some pretty decent football overall. 
the difference we talked about it last week, we can talk about it briefly again, but the difference between the first nine games of the season and ever since Steelers be, you know, for till now is incredible. I went back and looked at grades and like the, the grades for run the table were slightly better for Aaron Rodgers, but it's not like, that's like the best stretch of quarterback that we've like ever seen uh, was the run the table right. Rodgers. And like love is just like a hair below it, which is insane. First year as a starter, we saw so many amazing things from him in this game, from cadence to checks to max protects to fadeaway throws to th- rhythm throws, just total and complete command of the offense. What what's left? What I don't I, like. It's insane. He's getting better every game. I mean, was this your highest grade graded yeah, game for him. love? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, to me, this was Love's best game. And I know the the QBR stuff said this is like the best playoff game ever for, for a quarterback in their database and stuff like that. Um, if, if I'm looking back at this game five years from now and Love looks like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, I think I look back at this game as uh, the moment that I realized like Oh, loves potential. Like his, his ceiling is even higher than I thought Yeah, because he's only getting better, which is very scary. Right. Um, for not, I mean, not for us. I'm, I'm sitting pretty right now. We got, we got another quarterback for 15 years, but for, for the rest of the NFL, I mean, it's a very scary proposition, right? Cause I thought maybe three, four weeks ago, we were like, okay, this is who Jordan love is. That's very exciting. We could build around that. And the arrow is only going, I mean, some of the throws that he made, made on uh sunday insane guys shouldn't yeah. be able to make that right I, I see people doing you know the split screenshots showing either um far plays or rogers plays right and being like yeah. look it's the same guy um incredible just look at the touchdowns and you're like that's a that's a franchise quarterback right so the dante future nuts I'm not- I'm not going to get over it for a long time. Like that's, that's going to be the one that lives like rent free for me for a while. Like just again, that's the play I'm going to think about when you say like Jordan love against the Cowboys, his first year as a starter. What, what do you remember? And I'm like the the Tavian Wicks touchdown and being like the ceiling is even higher than I thought. Like that, that's what my takeaway is going to be. To be able to cadence, see the blitz, check into max protect, backpedaled enough where he knows he's going to have enough time, know that he's probably going to get hit in the play, stand and deliver, throw it almost like through uh, Marquise Bell's arms. And then in the perfect spot for Dontavian Wicks, just all of it. And like the, (laughs) the stuff that he has to go through pre and post snap to do all of that and to have the wherewithal. And Matt even talked about it in his presser of like, yeah, that's like a, a check in like past games that we've worked on to get to max protect. And he's like, for him to be able to pull that out in that moment to know exactly what to do and get it there. Like uh, to your point that we've seen flashes of like, Oh, the ceiling's really high. And then that, that to me just brought it to a whole nother level. I said it yesterday. I'll say it again here. Like that stuff in Jordan and, or sorry, in Aaron and Brett's like first couple years as starters. And Aaron obviously had that, that, leeway um to to learn under brett and and have the like that's not stuff he's doing in year one as a starter same and brett was obviously a little bit more expedited it was you know his first year in green bay and um took over for makowski midway in his second year in his career but uh, overall like those guys weren't doing that for a while and jordan's doing it in year one i i can't get over it i just can't no and to a certain extent right it's like some level of like exercising your demons i mean between the whole protection thing where Matt's like, dude, we can do that now. Right. And then oh, for sure, the Musgrave play is the big one, right. Where everyone's like, that's the same thing against Chicago. And then, you know, love and LaFleur are both laughing in the press conference. And are like, that's the same thing in Chicago. Like we've finally hit that thing. And you know, it's the most wide open wide receiver or I guess not wide receiver receiver um, that, you know, anyone's had in the history of football, right? I mean, he's butt naked wide open. There's a, a wide shot. That's amazing. I mean, it looks like there's like 50 yards around the guy and no one, no one is close. Um, Yeah, man. I mean, that game was really fun, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Got a little tricky down the stretch on the defensive side. I'm not fully sure that I'm bought into this defense being any different than what I thought it was coming into the playoffs. 
Um, so that was a nice shot of sobriety at the end of the game where we're like, dang it, man. Can we get a stop? Let's end this thing, right? Uh, let's go home. I don't want to have to worry about this. Uh, yeah. The onside kicks got a little tricky-dicky too, right? We had the little slow roller at the end. Um, but, yeah, the offensive side of the ball, like 10 out of 10, amazing. All right, let's let's talk about that defensive side of the ball because yeah, you you sort of get that bitter taste in your mouth again at the end, and that's sort of like your lasting impression of just when I thought you know four quarters against Chicago, four against Minnesota, really kind of like the first three in this one. I mentioned yesterday, like it, with ten minutes left, you've allowed sixteen points, and with while allowing sixteen points, you got a pick six, an interception that uh, also turned into points for Green Bay. Like they they played pretty pretty darn well up until that point. It wasn't perfect. And as we mentioned earlier, Dallas made some mistakes and shot themselves in the foot a couple different times. Green Bay got some penalties that went their way, but, um, but then we got that sobering reality of, Oh yeah, they, they still have some glaring weaknesses. And especially once Ja went out of the game, wasn't quite the same. Uh, anything else that, you know, you picked up, I'll, I'll just add one really quick. I thought that Dallas's offensive line um, for the majority of the game, like it, Kenny had some moments for sure, but like LVN, Gary, Preston, um, Slayton, Wyatt, Brooks, Wooden, for the vast, like those guys could not get off pass blocks to save their lives and like get legitimate pressure, even when knowing they could pin their ears back and go go quarterback hunting. I mean, that Dallas line is is really good when they're healthy and they looked really good in this game, but um, they're going to have to be better against San Fran than I think they were when, especially in obvious passing situations, where they need a a little bit of a boost for Mershon Gary moving forward and making some big plays. Yeah, I think it probably didn't help Gary that they had him unblocked a couple times, you know, at at the goal line, basically, where they were running that little screen RPO, right? And they were like, hey, we know you're not going to be able to, you know, keep contain on this thing. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Outside of Kenny, I don't think they were able to get a whole ton of pressure up front. The the other thing that's the takeaway for me. I mean, I don't know how you took it, but um, the Isaiah McDuffie, Devondre Campbell rotation at inside yep. linebacker. I was not anticipating that. Um, nope. They hadn't done that the entire season. And that was that was, you know, we were talking about the uh Tom Foolery potential on the offensive line. I think it might have come at inside linebacker. I do like what McDuffie brings to the field. I do think, you know, Campbell is not playing a hundred percent in terms of his athleticism right now. Um, so maybe you do want to spell him. I thought it was interesting. They're using Campbell as basically like a coverage linebacker at this point. Um, yeah. and then at the end of the game, you know, Matt talked about you know, uh, one of his regrets in the game is uh, pulling the offense out and then, uh, you know, having to put the backups in and then taking the backups out so that the starters come back in. The defensive side of the ball, even that last drive, those are backups out there, right? Yep. Like outside of – it's like Preston and then I think it's Campbell are the only, like, quote-unquote starters who were on the field in that last drive. thought that was interesting. I mean, you know, they did have Eric Wilson and stuff like that. Um, available they did have was well was Welsh active yeah Welsh was active for this game so yeah he was I don't know yeah. why they didn't work Campbell off of the field at that point or maybe they do consider Campbell a backup at this point I don't know it was a weird group of players so like this was the last play for instance it was Preston Wyatt Colby Wooden LVN Nixon in the slot and then the linebackers were basically like Campbell and they were playing Jonathan Owens as another like linebacker and then Carrington and uh, or Valentine and Valentine on the outside with Zane Anderson and Anthony Johnson Jr. deep. So like Savage was out at that point. Um, so Quay is the interesting one. Uh, Quay got, I don't know if you saw him get banged up. He got banged up and then he stayed in for a few plays. And even before they took the, the defensive starters out, there was a series where he played or he did not play. And it was Eric Wilson and all the rest of the starters were still in. Um, and then obviously they pulled a bunch of the starters and then you saw like Robert Rochelle and Zane Anderson. And there was a bunch of dudes out there. And then when they brought some of their guys back at the end, uh, Quay still did not come back. So there hasn't been any report on that. There was never an injury report after the game. Hopefully it was precautionary due to the fact that they were up by so much, but that's an interesting one, but yeah, they got, they got Zane Anderson in for Darnell Savage on that situation. Rashawn Gary did not play that last drive. Even when they brought the starters back on offense, 
I don't, Elton did not go back in. Um, they put Sean Ryan at left guard. So it was like, they, they half measured it to some extent. And I don't know why or how, or like which ones they decided to go back because love and Jones go back in, but Elton, it was just, it was an interesting scenario. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a weird situation at the end of the game. What, I mean, would, what just, would you have done with like, because it was like what six, eight, six minutes left up. Keeping like, the backups in. I'm keeping the backups in. And if we need one more drive, we go, but. I mean, I understand what, why they did what they did. I mean, they didn't want to blow a playoff lead. So, you know, yeah. more power to them. I mean, did, did you I, feel I, like I have no issue with, with it, with either did decision, think, honestly, okay. like pull, pulling them out or putting them back in. I, I have no issue with either one of them. I mean, I understand what it looked like in real time. I thought they were going to be able to get some sort of a stop on the defensive side at some point, And I would have bet on that. And maybe I would have lost my job today if, if I try to make that bet. Right. So. I don't Dude, know. I can't complain. You're screwed either way. And I said this yesterday too, yeah. but like if, if Jordan or Aaron Jones or one of those guys rips an ACL up 32 in a playoff game with six minutes left, you're getting dragged forever. Oh, yeah. Like you're, you're just like, you will like what Jordan's in up 32. What did you think was going to happen with eight minutes, six minutes, whatever it was left. You think they were going to go touchdown 2.4 times with three onside kicks in the middle, go into overtime, get the ball, receive and go down and score another touchdown. Like, um, if that happens, you're like, so yeah. Again, we're looking I mean, for jobs today. If, if that's yeah, exactly, what happens. <laughs> exactly. So no, I, I didn't hate it either. It was probably, I don't know, maybe a, a smidge too soon. Once, once Clifford and the crew went three and out because of a just beautiful Royce Newman false start right away, which is just so on brand. Um, once you go three and out there, I think I probably would have kept the defensive starters in one more drive just to be like, all right, let's just close up shop here and let's just get this done with rather than going with immediate backups. But um, I, I don't, I'm not gonna, like, if this is what we're nitpicking the day after a huge win against Dallas, like I'm in, I'm in seventh heaven. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to have that big of a lead in that situation come up against. The, uh, the <laughs> Let's Niners, hope this comes so. up again. Let's hope this comes yeah, up again. I mean, look, it's not a bad problem to have on, on the list of issues to have in game. That's probably tippy top of the list. Let's talk about the issues that did come out of that game, specifically two injuries, JJ Nagbare. Uh, torn ACL sounds like done for the year, which sucks. And then the, the big other one is, is Jair. Um, just not knowing that's a non-contact ankle injury. Just looks like he kind of re-aggravated it short week. Um, I don't know if this game would have been on Saturday, if Ja would have played, which is like an interesting thing to think about if it was a Saturday night game instead of a Sunday game, uh, would he have been able to get back in time? And now they've got a short week this week. Uh, the Enigbari one I think is manageable. It's it's not like I don't think Enigbari is going to get too much pressure on Trent Williams anyway. Um, but like you know, it certainly you have Brenton Cox have to has to step up into that role a little bit more. But the Jair one could be massive in a game against all these 49ers weapons. Yeah, for sure. Um, Enigbari, I think I looked it up. He played like 41% of the defensive snaps uh, in the regular season. Um, LVN is going to see a huge uptick in playing time um you know they already asked matt like hey what's your plan for the position and he mentioned on monday that you know brenton cops cox is on the team i think cox has only played like a handful of snaps on the defensive side so i would assume he's gonna probably get the biggest game of his nfl career uh an opportunity against the san francisco 49ers um next week i know they worked out two guys today yep. um Thought that that was interesting because, like, if they do that, I assume they're going to sign a guy to a practice squad. They already have three practice squad outside linebackers right now. So I don't know if they plan on elevating another guy to the 53 and opening a roster spot for a third outside linebacker on the practice squad. I highly doubt that they end up rostering four of those guys on the PS. Um, Alexander, I mean, I think we know what the situation is there at this point, right? Like, he's got the ankle. If he plays, he plays. If he doesn't, we've seen these guys play for a while. I do worry about uh, Ballantyne specifically if they have to do any, like, man coverage stuff, right? Um, they've kind of gotten caught with their pants down a couple times in man coverage with Ballantyne. You know, I'm thinking, like, Tampa. Um, there's been a couple times down this stretch. So I certainly do think that that will impact things. And then uh, the whole McDuffie stinger thing. Right. Um, yeah, that's if he's a starter or not, and you know, Devondre Campbell situation, is he a starter or not? Are they going to try to do the early downs McDuffie pass coverage downs uh, Campbell type of thing next week? 
Um, I think that's a pretty big question mark. I would assume that. So because it's Saturday, right? Everything is getting moved up, which is why, you know, Monday is technically their off day. Right. And yeah. that's why they brought in guys for tryouts on Monday. So Tuesday is going to be the first day that they practice. I assume they're going to have a walkthrough. Um, so we're probably going to get a practice squad or not a practice squad, a practice status elevation on or uh, uh, not elevation practice status, like injury report um, yep. est- estimation. That's what I was looking for on Tuesday. Um, so we should probably get some news then, but until then it's probably just speculation. It didn't even sound like, LaFleur really knew what was going on on the injury front. Like he wasn't able to confirm or deny anything about Enigbari's situation. He's like, I haven't really talked to Flea yet. Um, seems like they're, you know, knee deep in preparation for the next game at this point, which considering the timeline, you know, isn't surprising. If someone's hurt, that information isn't going to change between now and practice time. Right. I also am willing to bet you quite a bit of money that Outlook calendar says meet with media and then meet with Flea rather than meet with Flea and then meet with media. Because uh, then you know, and then you probably have to answer questions about it a little bit more. But if you have that plausible deniability of like, oh, didn't talk to my injury guy yet. Sorry, guys, can't talk about Like, I don't even know. Uh, how could I possibly know? I haven't talked to the guy yet. Like, I'm sure he probably has some inkling. Like, there's no way you're the head coach of the team and aren't like, all right, how's Ja doing? Like that's, if you're going to knee deep into game planning, like that's probably, and I know he's on the offensive side of the ball, obviously, but you, you, you probably has a pretty good idea, but that, I'm sure that meeting with Flea is, is right as soon as that thing's done and be like, all right, now prep me on everything. But uh, yeah, the, we've, Matt's already said he's been, uh, you know, there's been some gamesmanship through the course of uh, his press conferences this season. It's, I think that's probably another uh, a step in that is just not talking to his injury guy uh, before before meeting with the media. I mean, half the time they ask him like, hey, what's going on with so and so? And he was like, he was limited. <laughs> and then that's and then that's it. Like, yeah, I mean, the, the injury stuff. That's where uh, Matt isn't the most open book there no you know? I, he, he's he's evolved from i'm not going to talk about injuries to yep he's limited like or yeah. like yeah he's you know he practiced uh in limited capacity today it's just like the bare minimum he could possibly say i think you know yeah it's just been a, a small evolution and it still is just as useless as it was previously um just real quick before as we wrap up this packers cowboys game what, what do you what do you feel like this means for mike mccarthy moving forward I cannot fathom um, you winning the NFC East over a team that just went to the Super Bowl. You've gone 12 wins in a row for three straight years. You had uh, a change of offensive coordinator, take back the play calling, and have a quarterback who not only has, you know, like had a rebirth in his career, quote unquote, I think Dak just was a victim of some bad injury luck last year or uh, turnover luck last year. Um, but he ended up leading the NFL in passing touchdowns. He throws for what, like 400 yards in this playoff game. They score 30 point plus points and you move on from the offensive play caller head coach um, to rebuild under another guy. Like to me, that's insane. Yeah. But it's the Dallas Cowboys and it's Jerry Jones, baby. So, like, anything is possible. Um, honestly, like, you guys probably get it from the the tone that I've talked about this game from. But, like, I put so much more on the plate of Dan Quinn for this loss than I do Mike McCarthy. And Quinn is the guy getting all these head coaching interviews. I, I've been told, like, he's the front runner for the Seattle gig. So, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um but you want to move on from McCarthy? And I'm like, all right, I guess. But, like, that seems like the dumbest, most, like, Cowboys fan opinion that you can have is just, like, move on from McCarthy and Dak. And it's like there's so many issues, like, on this thing. Like, you just sit and cover one, and you have 200-pound linebackers, right? Like, that's yeah. why that's why you lost this football game. It wasn't because of anything McCarthy or Dak did. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's smarter to keep him. I still think he's a really good NFL coach. I think you're probably messing with fire to go in a different direction, especially with Dak and how well he's playing. Like just kind of keep that consistent and keep that going. Um, your defensive coordinator might uh, be gone just by 
the fact that he might be the head coach of Seattle. And if so, you get to make a move there and bring in a new defensive coordinator, which maybe could help yeah, them a little bit. That would be my thing is like, hey, let's just make sure we nail this this DC hire. Because I think yep. Quinn is going to be gone, right? I mean, he's this is the third straight season he's flirted with getting a head coaching job opportunity, right? Um, he, he can't turn one down now after this game. It's like, too, he might it's not, too long. Yeah. Yeah. He might not get another one if he turns this one down. So if he gets one, I think he needs to just take it. Yeah. I totally agree. Cause he bowed out of opportunities before, right? Like when he didn't get the Denver job, I think what back to back seasons, it was basically the Denver gig. And then he was like, Oh, I'll just wait for the next cycle. Right. Um, and he, you know, chose to like, not look at Houston for example, and stuff like that, because yeah. they weren't looked at as great, you know, win now gigs. Um, I think now's the time, like Dan, you got to go. And maybe that's a conversation you have with him, right? Where it's like, Hey, we're not going to can you, but you can't stay. So <laughs> I would probably take the job, right? Take, take the head coaching job. Um, and then, yeah, just nailed the nailed the DC hire, but any conversation about firing McCarthy after this one, um, about changing from from Dak at quarterback, like I think that's just people not knowing what they're watching on TV. To be honest, Cowboys fans uh, after the game were interviewed, and one guy said it's Trey Lance time. So it, it's got to be Trey Lance time, I think, in Dallas. Boy, they uh, fun times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yep. Good luck with that. Uh, definitely trade Dak and, and go with Trey Lance. It's probably the the best thing for the franchise. And fire Mike while you're at it. I, I think I think probably cooler heads will prevail, and I think Mike's back. Um, but it'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on there. Uh, by the way, just really quick on the coaching front too, as we're watching this Packers team be super successful and go through this, like the only potential major change would be if Green Bay moves on from Joe Barry, and that would be on their own accord to try to get better. Detroit, this other really good team in the North, might lose the best offensive coordinator in all of football to a head coaching job, and they will have yep. to replace him and i would assume he's going to be gone in some capacity. also you said you said yeah you said might and i'm like i'm it's gonna pretty happen, sure yeah. he's gonna leave yeah yeah i i think yeah. the front runner there is washington or whatever so that's worth so yeah uh but yeah they're gonna that's gonna be a major change for them meanwhile green bay gets to just kind of keep this steady with all these young players and i don't i don't think any of their coaches are going to be up for like any crazy i, I guess like Vrabel or like Dunn could potentially be like a new offensive coordinator somewhere. If like a new, well, I do, I do wonder if they would let Stenovich leave for an offensive play calling opportunity, but I don't know. Yeah, my answer is I bet them. yes, because I bet they wouldn't mind taking Vrabel or Dunn and moving them into offensive coordinator to keep one of those guys. Well, they, they, they turned Getsy loose, right? I mean, Getsy was yep. the first choice for offensive coordinator for uh, the Packers, you know, when Stenovich got hired, but, you know, even in division, they were like, that's a play calling opportunity. That's how this works. And and by the way, guys, like don't every coach who gets promoted out of Green Bay is a recruiting pitch for Green Bay to hire better coaches um, and for Green Bay's opportunities to be looked at as a premier spot to land for assistance. Right. Um, it, the, the more you're not going to be able to keep a staff together when you're a good team. Right. That's yeah. simply not how this works. If you look at the Baltimore Ravens defensive staff right now, everyone wants a piece of everyone involved in that team. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's actually a good thing in the long term because guys look at it and they say, like, hey, this is a job where if I'm, you know, a career, uh, you know, a ladder climber. Right. And I want to become an offensive coordinator someday. Maybe one of my opportunities is by being a positional coach for the Packers. Right. And yeah. That that's a good thing. So if we lose Stenovich, um don't look at that as a negative. Don't look at that as a negative. Um yeah, the Barry situation, Basaccia hasn't gotten any head coaching opportunities, um, or interviews, I guess I should say, at this point. Maybe that changes if a couple more of these jobs open up. Like we talked about the Cowboys. I mean there's after there's uh coaches there's too many um, like really good options out there i think for rich to get any legitimate consideration well, if it's cowboys and like maybe the eagles open up at this point like i don't know yeah you start expanding candidates and maybe people start looking at uh you know a wider umbrella of candidates um i don't think rich is gonna leave at this point um so yeah i, I really do think in terms of 
the top guys, I'm looking at Barry and then like question mark if someone else is going to leave for an offensive coordinator or play calling opportunity. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. But I, I think for the most part, the, the, the Packers are going to be able to keep this coaching staff mostly intact unless they're the ones that want to go in a different direction, which we've been discussing ad nauseum. And it's just going to we're just going to have to wait and see. And this this game against San Francisco will probably be a big part in that and how the defense performs. But let's talk about Packers 49ers. What are you going to be watching for in this one? Um, Kyle Shanahan, you bastard. I know you're going to do it. I know you're going to line up and empty. I know it's going to be out of 12 personnel or 21 personnel. I know Kittle's going to be in the slot. It's going to be, you know, the second tight end or like use check out there. And you're going to play little mismatch games and all sorts of stuff. And you're going to dictate everything. I, I hope the Brock Purdy, who I think Brock Purdy is, shows up in this game, which is, I think he's just kind of a game manager. I know we've done the whole thing. I mean, how many times do we have to see this quarterback have success in this type of system? Um, Case Keenum, right? I think we're yeah. coming off of the heels of Tua Tungvaloa as one of these guys where they're like, wait, he's actually not an all-star. And he's probably just an accurate guy who's playing within guardrails and has really talented uh, wide receivers around him, right? I think that's who Purdy is. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I eat crow. Maybe he is the Tom Brady that everyone says he is. Right now, I'm not fully buying into it. So I'm hoping at some point quarterback talent is the difference in that game because if quarterback talent is the difference in the game, I think Love wins that one. But there's so many things that the Niners are better at than the Packers right now. I mean, we're talking about red hot pass catchers and stuff like that. The Niners are as talented at the skill positions as any team in the NFL. Um, yep. you know, McCarthy was an MVP candidate. You can go down the list of names. When Kittle is healthy, he's the best tight end in football, in my opinion. They got Ayuk and um, who's the other receiver? Oh, Debo. Oh, yeah, Debo's the oh, guy. Yeah, guy. About. yeah, yeah, just that guy. Um, definitely shaky on the offensive front. Uh, you know, in a couple of ways, Trent Williams is still really good, but that offensive line isn't what it used to be. Um, defensively, they can get a lot of pressure, but I mean, we just locked down Take Lawrence and Micah Parsons and Oso Dugazua and Sam Williams and on and on and on. Like that was kind of Dallas's calling card too. Um, I think the big difference is probably going to be, at least from a defensive structure standpoint, one, um, San Francisco plays a lot more coverages in the back end. And their linebackers are a whole lot better than the Dallas Cowboys, right? So yeah. that's probably a little bit of a difference in this game. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're they're supercharged in so many different ways. And you, you mentioned the weapons that they have. And we talk about in Green Bay that they Green Bay has all these different flavors of weapons. San Francisco has it. And they're also like all pros. <laughs> um, and McCaffrey is just a cheat code and what he can do. Uh, people always went back and like, oh, you're going to trade all that stuff for a running back. It's like he's so much more than just a running back because he, he's one of those guys you can actually split out. And he's a legit wide receiver pretty much outside yeah. as well. And to your point, and you've been talking about it for weeks now, this defense has had no real solutions to when, when teams go five wide, Dallas had success with it against uh, again, this week should have even had more success against it. And green Bay is going to have to have a much better plan. They just, I don't know that they have, especially if Jair's out, I don't know that they have the pieces just to match up in yeah. any capacity with it. it. It's going to be a that's, big problem. That's and, the yeah. tough thing because you know, I one San Francisco plays condensed a lot, right? So going out, going wide is something that they're going to want to do every single time. But, that does make it a threat when that's your weakness of your defense, like third and longs or something that you're going to have to sweat out. Right. And you have some of these conversations like, again, uh, I'll bring up that example, right? Like you, uh, let's say uh, third and three. Okay. Third and three. Uh, it's 21 personnel. So you get uh, McCaffrey, Debo, use check, Kittle, Ayuk are in the game. They come out and empty, right? So first of all, are you in base defense or are you in nickel, right? That could yep. that could be a big thing, and they can check into whatever you're not, and it's not like you can just teleport guys off of the sideline and say like, oh, when they're under center, we want to be in this defense, and when they're in empty, we want to be in this defense. That's you don't get the choice of that as a defensive coordinator, right? Um, 
So let's say, you know, your nickel, whatever. Um, they line up use check and Kittle out wide. Are you going to be in man? Are you going to have, you know, linebackers travel over those guys? So corners can be in the slot actually covering McCaffrey or Ayuk or um, Debo. Debo Samuel, or are you going to zone it? Right. And, you know, if you're going to play man, are you comfortable with Carrington Ballantyne having a one-on-one against Debo or Ayuk? Right. Like those are the conversations that you legitimately have to have. And I don't think the Packers have a great answer for either one of those. So I do, I do think that, you know, if Green Bay wins it, because I'm 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 done with the good the uh, doom and gloom. Because last week I, I spent time on like five different pods, being like, "Yeah, I think the Cowboys win," and then the Packers <laughs> just shove it in my face and break the scoring record for the franchise in the postseason. If the Packers the Packers do have an opportunity here, right? But I do think that it comes via shootout, right? Like they're going to have to score a whole ton of points because I think San Francisco is going to get theirs in this game. But yeah, how can we'll you see. Make maybe maybe Purdy uh, craps the bed and we're up 27-0 at the half. Who knows? He did have a, like a five interception game earlier this season, but something like that. He's had a couple five? not great ones. I, I yeah. think time is coming. Time is coming for the Purdy takes, and there will be a parade when it happens. But who can't knows wait. It's hopefully, it's hopefully it's after this week, and they have to. Like Green Bay's broken a few franchises this year, uh, Chicago in the last game. Uh, and then obviously Dallas is a little bit broken after this one. And maybe like now, maybe Brock Purdy gets thrown into question after Green Bay, you know, breaks that as well. Uh, either way, it would be amazing. Yeah. Fingers crossed. And then but Detroit up, next week. Mm. Yeah. Let's just right down the line. Um, you brought up though, that like the, the fun part of that third and three situation is in that 21 personnel is that if Green Bay does go lighter or like whatever, like they just have Kittle and use check with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Like they can just run on third and yeah, three. Yeah, they just you know <laughs> tap tap their helmet. They're like, hey, we're getting in the eye formation and we're running downhill. And just run the ball. Like, why? Why is there only two defensive linemen on the field? Right, and then and not, not only that, not only that, but then you bring Debo in motion and like fake a handoff to him, and then like people got to be worried about Debo, and then like all of a sudden it's just like you're undermanned, and now this 49ers offensive line with Kittle and Juszczyk blocking ahead with Debo going in motion and Christian freaking McCaffrey in the backfield, like without even getting too fancy about it, a third and three, them just lining up and running and say, we're just going to run it at you. is a problem in and of itself. And then they can also split those guys out five wide and do the exact thing that you just mentioned. Like that's, that's what makes this. So such a nightmare personnel package for San Fran and why yeah. it's a, whether he's a game manager or whether he's the next Tom Brady, it's a quarterback friendly system that gives him a plethora of options to do so many things dependent upon what the defense tries to do. And if there's no Jair, it just, it gets even worse. Yeah. I do not envy any of the Packers defenders this week. I do not envy the position that Joe Barry is in this week. This Niners team is a very good team. I I've thought this entire season, they're the class of the NFC. I think them and Baltimore are a cut above uh, everyone else, the Packers are playing hot though, right? And if Jordan Love's going to throw for three hundred and two, two, three scores, zero interceptions, I mean the Packers will have a chance. So if the Packers win, I think it's going to be via shootout. We'll see. I, I think I saw the line earlier. Um, Matub wrote it up for us. It's like ten points, which it was ten. Then it was nine and a half. I don't know where it's at now. Yeah, that's that seems a little high for me. Um, I thought we were going to get because Dallas was a good team too by the way. Yep. Um, I thought it was going to be closer to like that seven that we saw for that game, but I guess we'll see. I guess we'll keep, see. Keep disrespecting them. Make it 14 by kickoff. I'm whatever you want to make it like, seems like they do best in those sort of situations. All right. Two really quick ones before we get out of here. Really quick thoughts. Um, there was some, I think some talk, especially early in the year when the team's two and five of like, all right, now how can you get off of maybe more of these veterans? Uh, I think Devondre is probably the only one that is in question at this point. Like Preston's back. I think uh, Aaron is Aaron Jones is back. I don't think there's any question about that. I think, yeah, Aaron put, you can write that in ink at this point. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to do a salary adjustment or what the heck they're going to do there, but they're, yeah, yeah, they're going to they're um, try to bring him back. I don't think anything's going to happen to Kenny. Uh, the Bakhtiari situation. I'm just, it's so compartmentalized at this point. I'm not even going to touch it with a thousand foot pole. Cause nobody has any idea. I don't think at this point, but like outside of Devondre, I think any of those roster questions, the other one was Razul and they already traded him. Like, I don't, I don't think there's any like potential cuts left um, that are really like up for grabs anymore besides that Devondre Campbell one. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to go through it in my head right now. Yeah. I, I think I agree with you. Yeah. It's Jones. 
I think Preston, especially with the Anik Barre situation popping up, I would yep. highly doubt that he's going to be ready for the beginning of the season. Um, I think they're going to need another body there, and Preston is, I mean, just kind of like steady. I, I think he's a guy that you want in the locker room, especially with all these young guys, right? Yep. Um, so I think that benefits him. I agree with you. I, I think it's just the question mark of Campbell at this point. And again, that's why I'm trying to figure out this dang uh, Isaiah McDuffie situation, but he keeps getting banged up. So I know frustrating. He was, he and uh, Emmanuel Wilson both got promotions this week where it felt like, all right, McDuffie's going to play in early downs and they're not going to do Campbell on early downs. And then McDuffie goes down and then Wilson jumped, uh, Patrick Taylor this week, but if uh, if Dylan's back, that probably goes out the window as well. That's another injury to keep an eye on this week. Yeah, for sure. Again, a big one. I mean, I, I mentioned this on the repack with Tex, but um, I do wonder how much, because everyone's like, hey, you know, Jones is on a historic run right now. You know, this is his best stretch of his career. And I'm like, I don't know if that would be true if like from just like from a volume standpoint, right? I don't know if that would be true if Dylan was healthy. Like, I think they still want to spell him with someone, but the the Wilson carries right now are just dead in the water. So they're sticking with just running the heck out of Jones. So there were two Wilson carries in this game that I thought had the opportunity to break pretty big. And one, one he cut inside when he should have went outside and one he went outside when he should have went inside. And if he did the opposite in both of those, I think it would have gone for significant gains and you just didn't see it. Um, frustrating, but it's a young rookie running back. He's talented, um, but he's got to make sure he finds those holes. I, for me, watching Wilson, I was just like nervous every time he touched the ball because like they had this lead and you've got this rookie running back, and I'm like, just hold on to the ball. I don't care if you get negative three yards, just please hold on to the ball. And he did that, so I'll take that as a win. Yeah, I mean, this, this game did seem like the the run game was a whole lot of like running for the sake of running, right? Yeah, and I think that was kind of a good game plan shorten the game especially you know when you had a lead as big as you did and just punish them for having that dime box i don't i don't know if the packers will commit to the running game in the same way against the san francisco 49ers i know they have pass rushers and stuff like that so you would think you know you want to get away from them but that that front that front's good you know run game pass game whatever it is like if you're running for three a carry against the niners i i don't know if that's gonna do it you know what i mean so Yep. No, they're going to have some choices to make both on offense and defense. Last one really quick. Caleb Williams officially enters the draft. Is he going to be in the NFC North come September? Well, I guess well before that, but you know my point. I don't know. Ryan Pohl said that he was going to take it down to April, right? Um, already in the press conference when they kind of asked him about him being open to trades and stuff like that. I still I have an inkling that it's going to be Drake May. Um for the first overall pick and Interesting. maybe that's again that's not like chicago information that's just my thoughts on how these guys are going to be graded for most nfl teams again it only takes one right yep. um in terms of you know a, a, a one team having caleb at one and then another team having caleb at one and then being like okay well we need to trade up to number one to actually grab him then right um i think it's going to be may We'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know why Caleb drug it out, but I also don't think that it's that big of a deal. I thought the yeah. rumors about the supplemental draft were silly. The NFL has been very strict about the supplemental draft since uh, COVID started, basically, and we haven't had anyone drafted. So I don't know how you even qualify for the supplemental draft at this point unless you get kicked out of your school for academics. Yeah, I, it was. It never seemed realistic to me. Um, all the rumors out there, whatever. It just felt like he was always gonna but do it. I, like, I don't know how the contract structure works for first round picks in the supplemental draft either, right? Because yeah, you get thirty million dollars if you sign as the first overall pick in the NFL draft. I don't know if you get thirty million dollars if you're the first overall pick in the supplemental draft, right? Can so you trade. Can you trade supplemental draft picks? Like, if there's somebody out there, that's another one. Because like. You're not going to get taken first overall if it's like maybe you would. I don't know. Would Carolina because Carolina would get the one in the supplemental? Well, it's like a lottery. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's like a lottery. I thought it was, I thought it was based on the previous season's records. It's, it's the previous season's record, but then it's the lottery because they had all sorts of situations where guys like Brian Bosworth and stuff, right? Where we're coming out in the supplemental draft instead of the normal draft. And the NFL was like, we have to do something about this so that teams 
who are picking at one can't like double dip and you know interesting get, get it treated like they have two first overall picks right so gotcha yeah it's a it's definitely a weird situation again i i don't think the nfl wants to go down the supplemental draft no path no. so also I, like i don't think it's ever realistic if he wanted to not play for Chicago, he could literally just be like, I'm not going to play here. Like he, they could, pull yeah, you could just up. say it with your chest. Yeah. Yeah. You could like literally probably force your way out. And if like Chicago might not be sold on one guy anyway, they're still deciding between Justin Fields. Like, I don't know the whole thing. Hopefully there's drama. Drama would be great. What, what's a better scenario as a Packer fan. If they pass on Caleb Williams for Drake, for a UNC guy, again, get the UNC guy wrong and Caleb Williams because becomes the next Patrick Mahomes and they screwed up twice. Or if they do it the opposite way this time and take Patrick Williams first thinking like we got to get the next Mahomes and it's Drake made the UNC guy this time that completely tears it up. And Caleb Williams doesn't end up being good. Which fan fiction version of a Packer fan is better in that situation? I think may being good and them not having may is the one that hurts the most where they're like, Oh man, I did the dumb thing and I saw North Carolina number 10 and I said, avoid, avoid, avoid and went for the flashy guy. I mean, the other thing too, is like everyone's issue with, I don't know, like in terms of processing may is way higher up there than Caleb Williams at this point. I mean, Caleb is a free, he's closer to like Kyler, right. Than he is, you know, one of these drop back quarterbacks that we're seeing have a whole lot of success in the NFL right now. So um, I think if you, grab Caleb I mean you're starting at the ground level in terms of developing that guy for NFL football right so I think May is going to be a little bit more of a product of the guys around him early on because he just kind of like wants to work and struggle he's fast he is a fast guy he's going to be able to run for some yards but um, he's going to kind of go the way his offense goes early I think Caleb is a one-man offense a little bit because he can do so many dynamic things, but there's so many times I've seen enough film on him already. And look, you know, I'm out West, so I get to see Caleb Williams a lot. Um, he misses a lot of wide open stuff that he just gets off of immediately. And he's going to have to get drilled to hell um, for a year or two before he really starts to figure it out. Yeah. The, the offense that he goes to and the time that he gets to develop is going to be huge. The tools are immense, but he's not a, He's not a finished product by any means. Hey, I mean, you know, you know what's great for developing quarterbacks? A head coach on the off on the hot seat who has yet to hire an offensive coordinator, right? That's awesome for quarterbacks. That always works. So they're gonna bears this and it it sucks for like the NFL because there's some super talented quarterbacks and they're probably going to get one of them. And you want to see those guys go and be successful. You just don't want to necessarily go and see them be successful in Chicago if you're a Packers what, fan. What, what would you do? Cause I have an answer of what I would do for like for the bears as a whole, yeah, or you got number, you got pick number one. How do you use it? I would have, I would have made sure that I got Ben Johnson as my head coach and I would have drafted Caleb Williams. That's what I'm I would have. Tra- I'm trained the pick. I'm still trained the pick. Interesting. No, I mean all the assets. Give me every single asset I can. And uh, we're going to get an answer on Justin Fields and, if he's not the guy, he's not the guy, and we'll be in a position to draft one next season. So that's that. That's this might opinion. be the most the most opposite we've ever been on a topic in the history of the Acme Packing uh, Pack a Day. I will Usually always I, do the coward thing in the first round. I will trade back in the first round every single time. I put it on my scouts to find talent. I'm usually in that boat. By the way, I, I spent the entire weekend watching. Uh, so I, there's 502 snaps of Caleb Williams. I have three games left to go through uh, every pass play. Sorry, every pass play of Caleb Williams. So I spent the entire weekend just watching him. Um, I can't, I can't give up on the, t- like I'm, I'm, he's too toolsy. Um, it's like, you have to be patient with it, but he, like there's everything there in my opinion. I, I, I would take that. That's just, but the, I would- that's just the thing with Chicago that I don't get right. Where you're in what this year three of, Justin Fields and you're like all right we've been developing him he's undoubtedly better than he was his rookie year right like there has been progress there um but we still haven't seen if he's going to be the guy right like the developmental curve is is taking a little bit longer and then you just want to rip it up restart with another developmental project like that's uh, that's I have two questions for you two questions for you 
Number one, uh, which one do I want to ask first? All right. Do good quarterbacks keep offensive coaches or and offensive coordinators and coaches in their job or do they get them fired? <laughs> jo- look, Justin <laughs> Herbert has had like a new offensive coordinator every year. All right. Right. All right. So I think there's exceptions to some of these. Roles. There are exceptions to some rules. Number but two. Yes. Guys usually don't get fired around good quarterbacks. Yes. I'll yes. That. that is usually the case. Number one. All right. Number two. Uh, for all the quarterback needy teams out there, um, if they could either trade for Caleb Williams or like the number one overall pick or Justin Fields, what do they have to give more up for? Oh, the first overall pick. I, I think some of that though is, um, I think some of that is just youth and contract structures. In yeah, of course, but no, that's, but that's a huge part of why you take the quarterback number one overall is because of, youth contract and yeah. upside like, I, no, need, I, just like I just don't get restarting the again i just don't get restarting the developmental quarterback timeline for chicago when Eberflus is on the hot seat we see that that's that's, the, that's i'm okay that then we're a little bit more in lockstep but like, i still would go with the the rookie but like i mean that's why i said what if it were me i would have gone and got a smart offensive minded coach that you can pair with the the rookie quarterback long term i'd probably go out and get like a ryan Tannehill in the time being to be like a vet in the like so like we're gonna do this the right way um we're not gonna do this the same chicago way we've always done it um obviously they're gonna be in much better hands because i'm the gm um i think it's just i'm just kidding but uh like to me young offense like ben johnson Caleb Williams, long-term approach, someone like Tannehill in the building to just kind of make that transition happen in the meantime. You've got a defense that's, you know, going in the right direction, bring in a, a, a smart defensive coordinator alongside of uh, Ben Johnson. And I, I think you're you're in great hands at that point. But what do I know? What, what how about a how about a Vrabel uh Arthur Smith combo for uh, a coach coordinator? That could be fun. Especially in Chicago, yeah. That that, that hey. was my other one. I'm like, either I go Ben Johnson or I hire Vrabel as the head coach, and I go because here's the other thing is like if they hire if they hire some offensive coordinator and things go well in Chicago and they get the corporate quarterback right, whoever it is, that offensive coordinator is going to probably go and get a head coaching job, whatever. Like Gone. Arthur Smith's not going to get another head coaching job probably for a while, <laughs> if ever. So I, like, I like I like the uh, I like the strategy of just like hire the toxic offensive coordinator. Just but like he's not Vrabel, gonna get another opportunity. Bill O'Brien gonna, never gonna get another get shot. Let's bring him in. Charlie Weiss. Go get Charlie Weiss. Um he might still be collecting checks from Notre Dame and Kansas. So probably, probably. Justice, as I always say, I think we keep going longer every single week, and I think I could still go way longer, but uh we probably gotta get out of here. Tell everyone where we can find all of your amazing work. Acmepackingcompany.com. Uh that's where you read all things that I write about the Green Bay Packers. Um, you can subscribe to the Acme Packing Company podcast feed. Um, yeah, th- those will be fun. I'm probably going to record with uh, Kyle Posey for Intercepted, our preview episode on Friday. Um, he, he writes uh, for Niners Nation, the SB Nation blog that covers the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter slash X slash whatever the heck you call this little bot form with terrible ads um, at J-U-M-O-S-Q. At, at terrible ads and a uh, lot of lot of porn bots, a lot of porn bots. So um, many, so many, so many that like I want to. So here's the thing, I want to like because you can hide your tweets, right, or hide the replies, and I want to do that. But I have the bad. Uh, I'm I'm a messy person, so whenever I see that there are hidden uh, replies. <laughs> I click the hidden replies immediately. And then half it's the time like more intriguing. Yeah. Cause sometimes, sometimes the tweets are very funny. Cause it's just, yep. you know, dunks that, that original uh, writers want, want to hide from their tweets, which is what I'm hit there for. And then the other time is it's, you know, a porn bot. It's like the, the worst, uh, the worst uh, lottery game that you could be playing. Yes. You don't know what you're going to get. Just maybe just don't click the hide uh, or unhide button from now on, but it, it, you're right. You can get some really good stuff in there too. 
Uh, make sure to follow him. Justice does amazing work. Also make sure to put in the comments, who do you want as your GM justice who wants to just st stick with Justin Fields or me, the obvious right answer that wants to go. With How dare guy. you? I want to trade back from number one and get like three first round picks. That is not what I said. I'm not selling right. myself on Justin Fields. I want three first round picks. How dare All you? All right. Deal, deal. Uh, you can find me at Andy Herman NFL. You can find the podcast 2,000 days in a row. Uh, tomorrow will be 2001, and we're going to keep going forever and ever. Uh, you can find it at Packaday Podcast. That's going to do it for us. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. More to dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.